Hi, and welcome to Top in Tech. My name is Conor Darcy, and I'm the regular host of this podcast. This week, we will be talking about the EU's Digital Services Act, known colloquially as the DSA. This is, of course, the major reform which regulates content moderation online and sets a series of obligations for online platforms to remove illegal content. It was once the poster child of the EU's digital legislative agenda, but now there is a slight sense that since the launch of ChatGPT and the huge interest around AI policy, that the DSA has somewhat fallen down the political agenda in Brussels, and this has coincided with major challenges for social media companies with the flurry of online content covering the war between Israel and Hamas. So to give us an update on where things stand with the DSA and what to expect with its implementation and its enforcement, joining me is Jack Keevil, who leads our analysis of the DSA from our Brussels office. So welcome, Jack. Thanks for joining me today. Could you just give a quick refresher on the headlines of the DSA? What sorts of obligations did it bring in, particularly for the larger companies? Sure. So I think it's helpful to focus uh, purely on the bits that are relevant for online platforms. There are other categories of sort of service provider in the DSA that are covered, but I think the most interesting and sort of newsworthy uh, action is definitely that the, the stuff that goes on goes on around the, the online platforms themselves. Um, and for those, we have two tiers. There's kind of basic rules, almost the sort of common sense things you think surely any kind of legitimate online company uh, would would do, and these apply to everyone, to all the, all the platforms across the board. Then we have the very large online platforms or the so-called VLOPs. Um, and for them, they have a kind of a much more stringent uh, regime of obligations. Uh, and it's, just, it's quite a sort of different system um, that applies to them. The VLOPs were, or these are, designated by the European Commission on the basis of the number of users that they declare. Uh, 45 million monthly active users in the European Union is the magic number that we're looking for. So if you're below that threshold, uh, the kind of VLOPS regime doesn't apply. If you're above it and the Commission has uh, designated you a VLOP, then you do and you've got to be careful about a certain number of things. Um, now, the obligations that apply to them, uh, they are quite interesting. There's some um, obligations on sort of publishing data around the content moderation activities. Uh, this has already been done um, for in the kind of the first wave, or well, the first uh, databases have been have been made public, and researchers are already kind of getting their getting their teeth into what they're doing. Um, but then there's a couple more sort of politically quite sensitive, quite interesting uh, obligations too. The first is to be subject to independent audits. So to have a third party uh, come in and look at uh, the way you run your platform and to reduce a report. And then there's also, and really the core of what's interesting about all the kind of enforcement action is uh, an obligation to carry out risk assessments um, for the content on your platform, and then also adopt mitigation measures to, well, mitigate the risks that you identify. And this is really... Um, the sort of the, the set of obligations at the heart of all the public controversy that we've seen recently. Okay, so that's very clear. We know what the obligations are. But Jack, can you just locate us in the implementation timeline? What rules are already in place and when are other rules coming in or are we already there? So this depends who you are. Um, if you are 
a kind of one of this second sort of lower tier of smaller online platforms, then you're not too worried until February next year when the, the obligations uh, that apply to you will, will kick in. If you're a VLOP, on the other hand, and you've already been designated earlier this year, you've had to comply with uh, this VLOP regime um, since the summer. And again, this is why this is uh, now why we see kind of commission action already moves against the online platforms uh, coming into the public domain. So you talked about the rules on online platforms coming in to the public domain there, Jack. There had been reports that the commission is anxious about the failure of individual EU member states to appoint these digital service coordinators who will have the, obviously have an important role in the implementation and the enforcement of the DSA. Is Are those reports an indication that the implementation and enforcement of the DSA is in trouble, that it's behind time, that something isn't quite working, or is this just the usual EU process that everyone will, everyone will do it, but slightly behind time? Technically speaking, the deadline for appointing the digital services coordinators is not until February next year. So in a sense, no, we're not behind schedule um, in, you know, in, in, in formal terms or in terms of you know, what, what the obligations on the member states are. Um, but I think this brings us to quite an interesting, uh, quite an interesting point, quite an interesting question. Um, it's essentially, the, the commission is in a hurry and has a bit of a point to prove. Uh, so we have to remember that the powers in the DSA, these are new direct supervisory powers for the commission. And so its reputation, its credibility as an enforcer is really on the line in these first, uh, in these first few months or this first, first year or this kind of early phase when the, uh, the DSA comes and sort of enters into application. Um, and we see this in Brussels on the kind of, on the sort of conference circuit where commission officials are frequently uh, citing, you know, enforcement of the new rule book. So basically the DSA, but also the Digital Markets Act, the DMA, um, as, as their top priorities. And that, that's really the, the message they are giving to, to stakeholders here in Brussels. And uh, the, 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 other, the other sort of aspect to this is that the commission will also rely on member state authorities uh, when it comes to enforcement, where, especially when it comes to things like information sharing about um, actions that have been taken and, 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 and so on. So they're reliant on them for carrying out, for sort of discharging their, their mandate as, as enforcers. At the same time, we also see many potential sources of trouble. The obvious ones are Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We've got the war between Israel and Hamas that you've already pointed to. Um, sort of rising tensions with other geopolitical rivals, and especially coming to year of many, many elections in Europe, which could be targets for interference. So in trying to push member states to implement quickly, the commission is also... Um, responding to these kind of external threats, these external factors, and not just uh, sort of pursuing its own political need to establish its credibility as an enforcer. So you've depicted a scene there where the commission is very much talking up its new powers. It's doing the conference scene, talking about how enforcement is coming and everyone needs to be prepared. And as you say, it, it seems to be those external events like Russia, Ukraine or Israel, Hamas, that are the real moments where we're going to see the DSA start to be tested. And so if we can focus a little bit on what's happened around 
the DSA and Israel Hamas. And I just to quote you some of a letter that the relevant digital commissioner Thierry Breton wrote to Elon Musk of X, which formerly Twitter. Very long letter, so I won't read all of it. But at the end of it, he 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 talks about I urge you to ensure a prompt, accurate, and complete response to this request within the next twenty four hours. We will include your answer in our assessment file. La 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 la. I remind you that following the opening of a potential investigation and a finding of non-compliance, penalties can be opposed. This sounds a little bit like gloves are off, uh, Jack. So can to that last point in his letter there about penalties being able to be imposed upon X, what exactly can the commission do here against companies like that where they feel there is certain amounts of misinformation on their platform? Yeah, Brittles Lester was interesting, I thought. I mean, and it covered a couple of different um, sort of, or in Brussels speak, legal bases under the under the DSA. It's also worth saying his letter was also disputed, not just by, by uh, Elon Musk, directly, but also provoked reactions from kind of uh, various civil society organizations in Brussels worried about commission kind of overreach and cracking down on uh, on free speech, but that's perhaps a different a different question. Uh, the letter, first of all, um, was in some ways just a reminder of X's obligations under DSA. That was set up as, as first point quite clearly. Um, secondly, it was... It, it also sets out that X, at least according to the information available to the commission, has been told that it has illegal content on its platform and that it is failing to do anything about it. That's a crucial point. So just as a reminder, under the kind of limited liability regime for online platforms, they're not obliged to do anything about content on their platform until they've been made aware that it's that it's there. Um, and what Breton is saying is that X has been informed, this content is there and they've been informed about it. And so I have a duty to act. Um, it also the letter also thirdly alluded to a request for information uh, from the commission, which is a different part of its enforcement, sort of a different article, if you will, in the DSA. And this was a kind of a separate request, uh, detailed and specific, and crucially, it was not public, so we don't know precisely what they asked for. Um, it's an interesting one in that you kind of suspect that what the commission has asked for is something related to the measures that. Uh, X has taken to first identify the risks and then secondly to uh, mitigate those risks related to online content on its platform and that would place it that's clearly in the sort of hierarchy of or in the regime of the DSA uh, obligations for VLOPs that has been uh, in application since since the summer and so then to ask to answer your question if the commission if the commission finds that a VLOP in this case X is in breach of its obligations under under the DSA, um, for instance, that has not assessed the risks and does not have measures in place to mitigate those risks, the commission can impose fines and they can be quite harsh up to 6% of, uh, of their revenue. So this is something that is not to be taken lightly. Yes. And particularly for a company like X, which is in the middle of a certain amount of turmoil uh, with its advertisers, I don't think that it would want to take a very large uh, financial hit, or at least logically it shouldn't want to in case uh, that word's come through at 6% of its annual uh, turnover. What's interesting about this exchange, though, was that it didn't really stop at the letter, did it? I mean, I'm looking at the Twitter feed now um, between Breton and replies from Elon Musk, where Elon Musk replies, our policy is that everything is open source and transparent, an approach that I know the EU supports. 
please list the violations you allude to so the public can see them. Merci beaucoup. Breton replies, and then Musk comes back and says, we take our actions in the open. No backroom deals. Please post your concerns explicitly on this platform. So very, very confrontational. And I suspect in some ways there's a bit of an allusion to the fact that a lot of these things will get caught up in in legal wrangling and appeals uh, where some companies seek to test the approach of the European Commission in the future. But I wonder also if it hidden within all the the bluster and the aggression from Elon Musk, that he rather has a bit of a point here, does he not? That was the DSA wasn't really supposed to be about politicians like Thierry Breton publicly calling for takedowns of content and bullying companies to act in a certain way in the content that they host. I thought it was more supposed to be about systems and processes. Do you think there's a a fragment of a point there from Musk? Well, on, on, one, of, on one level, this is, um, this is kind of the, the breakdown of one of the, of the processes under the DSA. Uh, it seems that it's kind of not working just yet. Um, yes, Breton has made a public display of the enforcement action. And I think to that, we should go back to the point earlier about the commission having a point to prove um, that it needs to be seen as a credible, effective enforcer. Um, but he also does state that X was made aware of illegal content and has not acted to take it down. So this kind of the, the other specific non-public request made by the commission um, on the basis of, or presumably on the basis of this, is the process kind of ongoing. All, and, and as far as we can tell, X also complied. I mean, Breton then said, you know, we've, they've responded within the deadline we set them, uh, providing information and so on. But then, so, so yes, I think there is, there is certainly a fragment of a point in that Breton's letter was a very public attempt to pressure X into action. Um, but I think given the flip side, the flip side of this is that given the nature of the content involved, silence on the part of the commission would have left them very, very open to criticism. They'd have been, the people would have turned on them and said, well, look, we've got all this uh, horrific illegal content, presumably illegal content on, on X. Uh, what are you doing about it? You've done nothing. And so if you've got X, you know, so at least judging by, um, Musk's kind of public uh, record so far, they've been pretty robust in opposing anything that the commission has tried to pin on them. All, all that would have been lost to, to, you know, the, the commission would have essentially no credit whatsoever. They'd have been uh, operating you know, behind this kind of veil of silence and would have taken quite a hammering because of that. I do think this does point to the problem though, and I think we'll probably see the same in the UK's Online Safety Act when that starts to get implemented, that as much as the designers of these pieces of legislation wanted it to be about systems and processes, it's too tempting for politicians involved in this issue who come under the sort of pressures that you've just talked about, Jack. It's totally obvious human reaction from someone like Thierry Breton. He doesn't say something, he'll be under pressure for not saying something. So he says something. But ultimately, whether it is healthy in a regulatory environment, to have people at that level of seniority quite forcefully intervene on individual content moderation decisions or individual compliance decisions by platforms, it's quite hard to point to other sectors of the economy where these sorts of things happen. Uh, It is quite out of the ordinary, uh, and I suspect it's something we're going to see tested and seen over the coming years. Um, In the UK, of course, we have a slightly curious system whereby 
actually the politicians won't get to take the ch- choice and won't get to intervene. It'll actually be the regulator, the independent regulator, Ofcom, who does that. So you get a strange dynamic, I suspect, where ministers end up blaming Ofcom for not doing more and then Ofcom having to be a bit more performative and demonstrative, as we've seen with Thierry Breton here. But clearly it opens up to even more of a culture clash between the European system and philosophy of regulation, both in Brussels, London and elsewhere, and the more free speech libertarian approach of West Coast technology companies. And clearly they'll, they'll, they'll both see in this, uh, both in whether they see flaws in compliance from, the, from Brussels' side of perspective, or they see flaws in public calling out of companies from the West Coast tech company idea. You sort of see they're going to be talking slightly across purposes uh, in the coming years on some of these content moderation decisions. So we talked about, Jack, and so if we could just conclude on this, we talked about how the big stimulus for this debate and where these, we seem to see the flashpoints is around external events. And the most obvious external event next year, well, it's both internal and external, but are the EU elections we have in June. We'll have a UK general election at some point that year. We'll also have the US elections. But if we focus on the European Parliament elections, would the expectation be that we'll see more letters, more public interventions if we see something like what we've seen with Israel Hamas with the misinformation and scale of illegal content online? I mean, I think you're right in that there will be absolutely a lot of scrutiny in, uh, you know, from essentially now on until uh, June next year, the European elections, and then even beyond with, with others later in the year. Um, it's definitely seen as the, the next big test. I think um, a lot will depend on the behavior of the platforms. I think if we, in this case, had X been, you know, a highly effective taker down of, of possibly illegal content, then we wouldn't be in the situation in the first place. Um, and I think arguably that the commission in implementing both, again, the DSA, DMA, they've made quite a show of their intention and willingness for dialogue. There was uh, a lot of effort made to do kind of stress testing prior to the, the entry into application of the, the VLOPs obligations regime, um, where, you know, commission officials would go to visit the, the VLOPs on site and learn about how they're doing things and give guidance and, 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 and this kind of thing. So I think the, the letters and stuff, they only resort to in these cases or then where they've got it, you know, there's something they can really point to and say, well, look, we've got a, we've got a real issue here. Um, on the other hand, uh, the letters are also a shot. You can only really fire so many times before they lose a bit of credibility. Um, if you keep on writing letters to, to Elon Musk, I think you've also got a, got a bit of a problem. Um, but I think there's, you know, it, it does also then bring us back to this thing about, you know, the, the commission has a point to prove. Um, and even if, uh, they've been quite inclined towards dialogue where, where, where possible, if you've got a CEO who's so publicly robust in opposing the commission or sort of questioning its right to regulate, um, then I think you better be careful. Yes. Twitter slash X has clearly pushed itself to the top of any regulatory compliance pile, whether that's on the Digital Services Act in Brussels or the Online Safety Act in the UK. On the elections point, it is going to be an interesting test is because there's going to have to be almost a higher threshold for those sorts of letters, not just for the very good reasons that you pointed out that you can't overly exhaust this tool, but also entering in such a public way 
into a debate when there's a live election campaign is potentially incendiary because if let's say that so-called misinformation may actually be about a political party, you may win seats um, in one country or another. So you can see a dynamic where it'll be much, much harder uh, to do so. It could even be that there might be huge misinformation about a party within the European People's Party. So there's a lot of issues there around how that how that could happen that would make you refrain from potentially doing so for want of offending your political allies or indeed your political opponents. You've got to be, it's a consensual place, Brussels. So they'll have to be much, much more careful about how they approach this. So Jack, thank you for taking us through that. I think we'll return to this topic, not only around the Digital Services Act, but also other forms of online content and moderation uh, questions moving forward. We have the child sexual abuse material negotiations going on, which are live and very contentious. So I think we'll come back to that theme at some point in the coming weeks and months. And clearly ahead of the European elections, it'd be good to do a recap on on where things have got to and whether some of the predictions uh, you've heard today uh, stand true. To those who have been listening, if you're interested in the Digital Services Act or indeed other online content moderation issues, don't hesitate to get in touch. You can find our details in the podcast notes, or if you want to speak to Jack directly, you can go onto the team page on our website, which is www.global-council.com. So thanks very much and bye-bye.